Welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. My name is Bevan Walters, your host and founder of The 3D Parent. I'm a certified parent coach and have spent the last decade living my calling in life, helping parents navigate the tough stuff like tantrums, sibling conflict, screen time overload, and managing the transition into the teenage years. My purpose is to provide you with the tools you need as a parent to lead with dignity, direction, and deep connection in your family relationships. My goal in creating the 3D Parent Podcast is to inform, empower, and increase confidence in parents so they can trust their instincts and make the best decisions possible for their families. For these reasons, I've rated this podcast FPEO for parents' ears only. Parenting is challenging, but you don't have to do it alone. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about pets and seven surprising benefits of pets for kids. So for me personally, I always had animals growing up and we had dogs. We had a big lab and then we also had a teeny tiny miniature pincher um when I was really teeny tiny I think we had a shih tzu but I don't remember that dog as well because I was pretty little when we had him as a family but that was kind of the end of kind of more typical pets that our family had we also had white mice we had a pair of guinea pigs we had a hamster or two we had rabbits We had a flock of chickens, I want to say somewhere in the neighborhood of like 10 to 12 chickens, and we had newts. (laughs) Um, I should throw in here, just to give you the context, uh, that I grew up in the heart of Los Angeles, not on a farm. So maybe rehearing that list of animals again, dogs, mice, guinea pigs, hamsters, rabbits, 10 to 12 chickens and um, some newts. Maybe that sounds a bit more impressive. Now we didn't have all those animals at one time. And some of those animals were very beloved additions to our family. And some we learned by exposure that I was very allergic to. Um, And some were less successful. And uh, some of those we adopted out either due to my allergies or because they just didn't work out really well for our family. Um, I remember specifically our rabbits, which I ended up being allergic to, we adopted out to my elementary school. That said, just having animals was a big part of my family's uh, kind of culture, something that we loved and connected um, through having these pets. Um, During this pandemic, I'm sure it's not been lost on you, the pet adoption rate has increased dramatically. And my family included, just a few days ago, we became hamster owners. (laughs) And um, that's a new adventure for us. We have a dog and um, she is well loved. And we also have some guppies that were supposed to be all boy guppies, but clearly were not properly identified based on their biological sex. And so because of that, we have had many different generations of guppies come from the same batch of four that we initially had. Um, That's been a whole nother interesting level of, you know, exposure to pet ownership, but fish are fun to look at. Uh, My kids, however, have been begging for a pet that they can take care of and call their own. And 
in my family, and I don't know this is common for lots of families, but in my family, my kids have always loved to make their case for why we should consider getting them a particular pet that they're interested at that time. Um, Before we had our current dog, my oldest two kids were just desperate to have a dog in the family. And my husband and I, busy with four kids, including two very young kids at this time, um, were not quite on board. And so my oldest daughter uh, would, in her free time, put together these long, well-researched and very informative and entertaining PowerPoint presentations about why we needed to get a dog and all the reasons why and all of the ways in which they would, um, might daughter and my son, they were making this pitch together, although my daughter was definitely the one in charge, but they would make all the cases for how they were going to take care of it, how they were going to help with the care and maintenance, et cetera. And my husband and I would say, yeah, we'll think about it. And then we would say like, you know, it's, we, we understand, but you know, we do have asthma and allergies in our family. And so I just don't think bringing a dog makes sense for us. And then a few months later, my daughter would come with another full, impressive presentation of Again, making the case for why we really need to adopt a pet, but then to answer the question or to provide um, a influential argument for why we should consider getting a pet. And here are different types of hypoallergenic dogs that are typically really good with families who have allergies or asthma. And then she would have all the information, the research she'd done on the dog breeds. So eventually we caved and eventually my husband and I decided, okay, fine. We've already got all this chaos. What's another, you know, creature to care for in our family. And we went ahead and brought home our sweet Havanese dog, Winnie. But this has not kind of completely ended my children's quest for more animals to love on. Um, My older kids are pretty much, uh, their needs are met with our dog, but the little kids have been just begging and begging and begging for pets. Well, over the summer, my uh, third born daughter, Maisie, became obsessed with chickens and really, really wanted us to bring home chickens. Um, Unlike when I lived in LA, LA did not have um, the rules or ordinances that allowed for chicken ownership. Certainly not 12 chickens. We had that many because it actually came from a science experiment my sister did that was far too successful and she ended up with 12 chickens. all but one were male roosters. And when they started crowing at the crack of dawn, our neighbors got um, frustrated real quick, understandably, and we were able to pass our chickens on to a farmer that lived um, in the outskirts of the LA area. But back to my family and my daughter's desire to have chickens, she put together a really impressive presentation this summer about chickens, chicken breeds, the benefits of chicken ownership, a constant supply of uh, organic eggs at home. That's a real benefit, but then also just being able to take care of pets. Um, I live in Seattle and we are allowed to own, I think it's five or six um, hens and in Seattle, but we don't have a backyard or an area that would really support chickens. We are redoing our deck and we are working into that 
a type of a chicken run coop kind of underneath the deck. So chicken ownership may be in our future, but we're not ready for that quite yet. So understanding that my children have kind of moved on and started kind of making the case for other animals. For a little while, my youngest um, decided to put together a presentation with her next older sister's help for betta fish. And she wanted to get a betta fish. And we were thinking like, okay, that's that seems like it would be pretty doable for her. She's six years old. That should be pretty easy for her to take care of. And she put together this presentation and ultimately decided, you know what? The betta fish is not going to meet my needs. She has gone every direction, my littlest, from really wanting a tortoise to a uh, gecko to a bearded um lizard, I think they're called, to, uh, oh, she really loves the idea of having a bird, a parakeet, you name it. She loves animals and she'd be willing to take pretty much any of them. But most recently, my youngest two daughters spent a full afternoon researching and writing a full, impressive and well thought out and researched presentation on hamsters and hamster ownership and why we should get some hamsters in our family. And so I'm going to now play for you an audio clip from a short portion of this most recent animal presentation of why we should get hamsters. Um, first, because it's entertaining and adorable, but second of all, because I'll refer a little bit later to kind of one of these hidden surprising benefits of pet ownership for kids. So listen to this little audio clip of Maisie and Reeve presenting the benefits and why we should consider getting hamsters. Um, this is my Lee and Reeve's presentation about hamsters. Okay, these are a few reasons why you should get a hamster. So hamsters don't need vaccines because um, there are no vaccines for hamsters and they just don't need vaccines. Um, Hamsters can be left alone for a, for long periods of time if you're like going to work or school. Um, hamsters are good stress relievers, which is good for my anxiety. Um, hamsters don't need uh, don't shed much, so there won't be much fur anywhere. Um, uh, you don't need to take much trips to the groomer. Makes may, uh, mainly you just like get a tiny hairbrush and like brush its fur, like once a week maybe. Um, and uh, hamsters have tiny poop that does not smell, and it's like hard, so it's easier to clean up. So I could not resist following through and allowing them to finally get their own pet to take care of. And um, with my husband's agreement, and the agreement was basically, yes, feel free, but I'm going to have no part in this if you're going to be the one supporting this endeavor, which I was fine and happy to take on because I really believed that this was a good time and a good pet to meet the needs of my youngest daughters and their interests. But as I was doing kind of the research to come to that final determination. And by research, I mean, I watched my own videos. I went and visited a couple 
pet stores and talk to them about hamsters and what it takes to get yourself set up with a proper um, cage and habitat for them and what they need as far as food and bedding. And I wanted to learn about some of the habits that are associated with hamsters that are less pleasant, like they can sometimes bite because they are prey animals and everybody to them initially feels like a threat. So how do we have the highest chance of getting a hamster that would be able to eventually not nip and bite, but be handled by some kids and the whole family. Everybody would be interested. And as I was doing this research and also partially through my daughter's very convincing presentation, I started to become more aware of some of the surprising benefits to pet ownership for kids. And that's what I want to share and present with you today is the seven surprising benefits of pet ownership for kids. So my first, this one is um, tied to something I talk about quite a bit on my podcast, which is number one, it encourages more play, more true play in kids. As I've talked about before my podcast, play and true play, not screenplay, not board game or Lego set building play, but play that is open-ended, that is creative, that is interactive and open-ended and doesn't have a predetermined course, um, that kind of play. Well, guess what? Pets encourage that type of play in children. Children who have pets are more inclined to play and interact with their pets and spend less time on their screens. Children are uh, with pets are more likely to engage in physical play because oftentimes um, certain pets require physical activity and kids can be part of making sure that happens. So one of those surprising hidden benefits, play. Pets lead to more play with kids. Second surprising benefit, pets provide a calming effect for anxious kids, stressed kids, and highly sensitive children. There have been numerous scientific studies, and they've all, for the most part, concluded that pets have this ability to decrease stress and alarm in children and calm children just through their interaction with pets. Many of us, I'm sure, are well aware that animals are often used in therapeutic and hospital settings. And that's because we have scientific proven data that supports this assertion that animals can provide supports to children. Again, in therapeutic and hospital settings, they provide emotional support. They help with communication. Children interacting with pets can help if they have a delay or some type of a challenge associated with communication. Pets have been incredibly beneficial with children on the spectrum. Also for children who are hospitalized or frequently in medical settings for treatment or therapies, oftentimes they have found that when children interact with pets during the hospitalization or treatments, they have a decrease in pain. They have a shortened recovery time from medical treatments and again, lower stress overall. So if your child doesn't need some type of a medical treatment or hospitalization, that does not mean that this does not apply to your child as well. That's why I shared this particular information and insight. So all children 
regardless of temperament, regardless of a medical necessity or some type of a struggle with anxiety, depression, all children benefit in the same way. All children who have pets have the ability to also have the benefits of lower stress and a decrease in childhood anxiety. Um, for highly sensitive children, another topic I talk about a lot in my podcast, highly sensitive children who tend to be really sensitive to wounding and judgment of others, through a pet, they can experience a non-judgmental connection that feels just safer. It doesn't feel as difficult to connect with an animal as it might with another human being. Highly sensitive children can experience that unconditional love that an animal can provide that sometimes can be difficult for a highly sensitive child to experience based on a lot of defenses that they put up due to their high sensitivity. Animals can be a wonderful support to your highly sensitive child. Another benefit having to do with this calming or lower stress or emotional support for your highly sensitive or anxious child is for highly sensitive children that can sometimes struggle to access their vulnerable feelings, they can sometimes do so in the presence of an animal better than they can in the presence of a, another person like a parent or caregiver. They are more receptive to the comfort that an animal can provide at times when they are just too frustrated or too worked up or too blocked with full of defenses and cannot connect or receive comfort from a human, they sometimes can do so easier initially with an animal. So again, another one of those kind of hidden benefits. Okay, benefit number three. Benefit number three is that animals can be a really wonderful outlet for the natural kind of dominant, quote unquote, alpha energy that some children experience. If you have a child who really always wants to be in the lead, has kind of dominant and nurturing and caretaking instincts that sometimes come out in ways that are not ideal or inappropriate or not in their best developmental interest, they can sometimes have a wonderful outlet through pets. So a child who is kind of wired very alpha sometimes wants to tell other people what to do or instruct others about how to take care of them. Um, that is something that needs to be kind of looked at and reworked so that it does not continue to be a problem from a parental perspective. I have an episode about talking about parenting dominant alpha children, if this is something of interest and you're connecting with this. But this is one of those wonderful kind of hidden benefits. If you have a child that's really wired, very dominant, very alpha, having a pet to take care of and take that natural kind of like take charge and nurturing caretaking instinct and direct it in appropriate direction that kind of can channel that really positive aspect, being a leader, being able to take care of another in a way that's appropriate, like a pet versus something that's inappropriate, like trying to boss around a parent. So that's another one of those hidden and kind of surprising benefits of pets. Um, my fourth benefit is potential increase for higher self-esteem and confidence in kids. It's a big deal. 
to be responsible for taking care of another living creature. It's a big deal. And when a child feels empowered and the ability to follow through with caretaking of another creature, it can really do a lot in terms of the development of their self-esteem, their self-worth, and their confidence. I got to watch this unfold instantaneously with my highly sensitive eight-year-old daughter, Maisie. As soon as I told her, her little sister, that yes, we were going to go ahead and let them get their um, hamsters, they... um, you know, they were, of course, over the moon excited and immediately uh, cleaned up their room and kind of created the space where the cages were going to exist in their two different um, bedrooms and, you know, got all caught up in the statement. But the most dear moment was when my daughter, Maisie, just about before we left, she looked at me and she said, I feel so proud right now. I feel so proud and kind of like, like there's so much responsibility now. I realize I am the bridge between life and death for another creature. And those were her exact words, which I thought was adorable, but also so incredibly dear that she recognized how this was actually really, really important. And she was stepping in with confidence. She was acknowledging a lot of mixed feelings there too. She was acknowledging how she was so excited, but also a little a little scared, feeling like, wow, this is, this is, this is going to be kind of a lot of responsibility. Um, but also a deep sense of pride that she was being empowered with such a big responsibility to take care of her hamster. So that again, is something that can really, really be a hidden benefit for a child to be able to take care of something and to see it through, build their confidence, their self-esteem. And then the other piece of this, again, kind of tied back to that ability to take care of another loving thing, learn how to respond to their needs, and then also receive and give that kind of unconditional love that can happen between a child and their pet. That also does a lot in terms of a child's self-esteem. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. Okay, so now moving on to number five, benefit number five of pet ownership for kids. Pet ownership for kids encourages the development of responsibility and motivation. So part of my agreement to allow my youngest kids to go ahead and get these hamsters was that they were going to also help pay for it. Now, hamsters themselves are pretty inexpensive. They're like less than $20 a piece. But We didn't have a cage. We didn't have all the things that are necessary to get things all set up. So per pet, we were looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of $100 to $150 for everything, including the pet. Um, We decided to go, based on a lot of research and people's um, suggestions, we decided to go with glass-sided kind of terrariums that are sometimes used with reptiles um, because it's less noise, less chance of escape and easier to clean. So we decided to go that route for our um, daughters, but they're more expensive also. But knowing that that expense 
was what it was, I shared with the kids, well, you guys have been saving your allowance. And this is going to be one of the requirements that you contribute to half of the cost of the hamsters. And they both agreed to that, of course, completely. Um, that that money has been burning a hole in their pocket. And they I resist them going to buy a bunch of junk at the dollar store. I, I encourage them to save and plan and decide how they want to spend their money. So they were both completely on board with spending their saved allowance to go towards um, paying for these pets and the supplies needed. And I also let them know that going forward, a portion of their allowance was going to be going towards paying for additional supplies that the hamsters would need down the road. Another thing that can encourage that development of responsibility and motivation, a motivation to get an animal. So for my kids, part of that was I saw that they were real motivated. They've been motivated for quite a while to get animals. And I responded to evidence of that motivation. They took the time to do a lot of impressive research, put together uh, presentations, make the case, and show that they really understood what would be entailed with hamster ownership. That really indicated motivation. And then furthermore, they were motivated to help pay for the pet. So that was a really, really great evidence of that development happening. And now moving forward, now that we own these hamsters, they're responsible for taking care of them. Kids often get really focused on the fun parts of owning pets um, and tend to not think about the things that are less fun, like cleaning up, uh, picking up poop duty, uh, cleaning cages, and things of that nature. So those are the parts that are maybe, maybe a little bit less fun. Nevertheless, if they're going to commit to be responsible for another living being, this is part of it. And so I made it really clear that I, of course, would be there to supervise and help them learn how to do this, but that this would be their responsibility. I will help them learn how to do this, but then it will become their responsibility. Now, my eight-year-old is super organized, has incredibly strong organization and executive function skills beyond her age. She basically could run our household. Um, she has, since she was five years old, packed her own bags. She goes from a list and she loves to pack for trips, 100% on her own. My big kids didn't learn to do that until they were quite a bit older. So I have a lot of confidence in her. My little one, Reeb, who was six, not quite there yet. However, I knew they could support each other and it would be also a way in which they could um, kind of bond and learn together as sisters. So again, even though my older one is going to be a little bit more taking the lead in helping with the responsibilities, I was um, already feeling pretty confident that they could do so with not tremendous amount of um, oversight for me going forward. Moving on to number six, number six in terms of the benefits of pet ownerships for kids is it can help with the development of executive function skills. Just like I mentioned a minute ago in terms of you know, that responsibility and carrying through what needs to happen on a daily and weekly and monthly basis with pets, you need to be able to think through how to organize, how to plan. And pets force us to get kind of like to embrace a routine that is necessary for their care. You know, if you have a dog, you obviously know that they have a daily routine. They have to have X number of walks. They have to be fed at certain times. They require certain routines in their daily life to be healthy, to not, 
you know, go pee and poo all over your house and so forth. Well, same for any type of pet. And a lot of pets that are encouraged of, you know, for kids to have kind of these personal pets, they are even more low maintenance, um, including things, of course, like fish and pets like hamsters. Um, But nevertheless, they do require daily maintenance and weekly maintenance. So in terms of executive functioning, development, pet ownership can really help with that. So again, helping support your child and recognizing what needs to be done and then set a plan for it and then um, kind of execute the plan. And that is something that could really be another benefit for your child, particularly if it's an area that they could use a little bit more development in. All right, moving on to number seven in terms of a another surprising benefit for pet ownership with kids. And number seven, it provides another opportunity or provides an opportunity for emotional growth and development, particularly when it comes to empathy and emotional expression and access to feelings. Now, I already talked about this a little bit when talking about children who tend to be more anxious or highly sensitive, but this is true again, for all kids. And again, especially where it comes to the development of empathy. I've done a podcast episode before on the topic of empathy. And one of the things that I really emphasized was helping understand that empathy is not a skill to be taught. Empathy is something that develops intrinsically from within a child. But we as parents can certainly provide conditions and opportunities for that empathy to grow and develop in our children. And pets just happen to be one of those ways that you can present an opportunity for growth and development in empathy in your child. And then also, again, that emotional expression and ability to access feelings. There, again, are numerous studies that have concluded that pets help children access empathy. Children have the ability to sense what animals are feeling based on kind of looking at them and the behaviors they're exhibiting and making sense of those and then responding accordingly. Um, My daughter, Maisie, her hamster is a little bit more shy, a little bit more you know, anxious since coming home. Um, And I love that this is her pet because she runs anxious. She's highly sensitive. So she's got the perfect hamster because she can really empathize. She sees that her hamster needs a little bit more of a slower, gentler approach. She already has noticed when there's a loud sound, her hamster flinches and jumps and she's like oh yeah um i know that my hamster her hamster's name is nibbles i know that nibbles um is scared of loud sounds so i try to not do those or she'll kind of like test out how her hamster is feeling and if she seems sees that her hamster kind of immediately go goes and runs into her little hideout she knows oh yeah she's feeling um anxious right now so i can give her some space that's empathy My daughter is making sense of her hamster's feelings based on the behaviors she is observing. And that is helping her know what she needs to do, how she needs to be with her hamster, given what she's observing in her child. Now, as luck would have it, my younger child, Reeve, ended up with a hamster that pretty much is good with anything already, even though she's only been home a short time. And 
that's the perfect match for my daughter, Reeve, who is a little younger and her empathy is still developing. It's developing for all of my children, but for my younger child, just based on her age and stage in of de- emotional development, she's a bit more impulsive. She'll tend to kind of like reach in without being really cautious and reading kind of the mood of her hamster. And that's a good thing because, because she doesn't have as much restraint, she is being able to not have to be quite as sensitive Um, more than she's capable of being based on who she is and her emotional development. At the same time, she can't just run in there and grab her hamster because again, she knows that she has to be sensitive. She knows the rules right now. We are not picking and handling our our hamsters yet because they've just come home. We know that we need to build trust. And so she is having to really work on her ability to Um, resist the impulse to kind of go in there and pick up her hamster. And she also has the rule of she has to be supervised right now when interacting with her hamster. Again, going back to this idea of emotional growth and development in empathy, studies include, and this is related, of course, to empathy, but they also conclude the increase in caring feelings for kids who have pets. This is significant. I've recently done some episodes about bullying, One of the main reasons why children bully is because they have lost their caring feelings. So if you have a child who has a pet, they're continuing to have the opportunity to develop caring feelings towards their pet. That's a good thing. That also has resulted um, based, I mean, or supported by studies, I should say, that also has added to this conclusion that children who own pets are less likely to be children who bully other kids. Again, goes back to those caring feelings and the ability to develop empathy. Those are things that children who bully other kids are not doing or do not have access to. Um, there's also been uh, evidence and studies that support that kids who own pets have less incidences of aggression. Another benefit having to do with emotional growth and development is a pet helps a child find another place to develop a relationship and attachment. Um, This is wonderful. Of course, it's not going to be the same type of deep attachment that they develop with their parents and family members, but developing attachment and love for another creature is something to be looked at as a benefit of owning a pet. And then kind of the sad reality Since children who have pets will also likely outlive their pets, we hope, with the exception of tortoises, which can live to 150 years, kids are most likely going to outlive their pets. And some pets are likely to experience the death and loss of that pet while they're young. That is something to expect and anticipate and to talk about with your child when you are looking at pet ownership and what pet might be the best fit for your child talking about the lifespan and helping them first know it will happen. But also as a parent, you also recognize that that doesn't mean, oh, don't go get a pet. That also will provide the opportunity to support your child through something that's really difficult. And that is experiencing loss and grief associated with that loss. And also to realize that that's survivable. It's sad. We always feel a sense of loss and grief. Um, But also I can still 
think of and feel connected and have fond memories of my childhood dog, Gizmo. And I still think so fondly about that dog and how much I loved her and how I got all these wonderful benefits from having that dog and how my child, even though she may experience the loss of her, their, their pets, they also will experience that that's okay. It's better to have loved their animal and even experience something really hard like their animal dying and then be able to move on and move forward and in time perhaps embrace and bring home another pet. So before I conclude, I, I have to, out of kind of like responsibility, also throw in a word of caution about pet ownership. It is no doubt a big responsibility and the decision to adopt or bring home or purchase an animal and introduce them into the life of your child should not be taken lightly. Animals, of course, like dogs and cats, they're wonderful, but they're pretty high needs. And you need to recognize as the parent, they're going to primarily be your responsibility at, you know, once you recognize that, yes, your child may be able to be part of taking care of the pet, they're primarily going to be a responsibility. Um, a, an animal that is a high, um, kind of more high needs animal like a dog or a cat. Also pets come with a varying degree of cost and ongoing expenses in terms of maintenance. Again, dogs and cats are at the high end because not only, you know, yes, you can adopt a, a dog or cat and encourage you to consider that, but even once you've brought a dog or cat home, even one where you only had to pay adoption fees or maybe were even given one by somebody free of cost, of course, ongoing expenses of dogs and cats are pretty high in terms of um, the vet bills and vaccines and food and other medical um, procedures that might be necessary down the road pretty high cost. Um, there are other pets that are much less cost, both in terms of um, maintenance and also the uh, initial, you know, purchase of pet. So you have to keep that in mind, of course. And then also, like I already mentioned, you have to keep in mind the lifespans. How long of a commitment are we talking about here? Okay, so some pets like a goldfish, a betta fish, a hamster, we're talking about not a very long lifespan, a year, two years, maybe three, but not a huge commitment in terms of lifespan. On the other side, as I already mentioned, you've got a tortoise. Tortoise are really popular animals for families, but you're looking at an animal that lives 85 to 150 years. So you have to know that going in, you know, what's your plan? How are you willing to commit to this animal for your entire life? And then of course, make a plan for <laughs> the pet once you have passed on, or maybe make a plan to eventually have an animal adopted out, um, particularly if you're dealing with an animal that lives a really long life. When you're considering a personal pet, so now I'm talking about the pets that maybe your child can be the sole one responsible for. And that's kind of what these hamsters are for my two youngest kids. So personal pets, ones like hamsters and gerbils, mice, guinea pigs, rabbits, tortoise, fish, lizards, geckos, birds, snakes, etc. Those are great options for you to consider 
to introduce to your family and to be the perfect pet for your child to take the primary responsibility for. But again, you need to know what you're getting into and what age and stage of, of um, development might be best fit for your child. Um, I have included in the show notes two resources that talk about the best pets for kids by age and also by maintenance, amount of maintenance required. Now, again, you know, you can't just go based on your child's age because age is just a number and may not be fully indicative of what your child is in terms of their emotional development. You're the expert of your child. So I encourage you to put on the 3D parent lens to take a look at your child and recognize where they are, what, are they, what they're capable of to be able to match the best fit pet for your child. And should you decide to dive into pet ownership, you might just discover and experience these hidden benefits of pet ownership for your children. And also the one I didn't mention, I'll call it number eight, another way for your family to connect to one another through the pet ownership process. I hope this has enlightened to you um, to some of the thoughts uh, you may or may not have considered before when it comes to considering purchasing or bringing home a pet for your family. And I have included in my show notes, like I said, some really helpful links to articles that I used both in putting together this episode and also, like I said, to reference when you're trying to consider what would be the best pet for your child if you're considering doing so for your family. I hope you'll join me again next time on the next episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one -on -one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the3dparent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D Parent Podcast.